it's really interesting if you look at the history of the church, really from the very beginning, one of the uh, uh, characteristics of the church has always been that women attend the church at a higher rate than men. It's been that way from the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, if, if, you, if you can imagine the very, very beginning of the church being around the cross, it was filled with several women that were dedicated there and one dude who was hiding in the back, <laughs> John. So it's always been that way. It's always been that uh, makeup of the, of the church. A recent study that was looked back 15 years before COVID, so this was done, I guess, in 20, um, uh, 2020, and they looked at the last uh, 15 years, and they found this alarming um, lower attendance. Of men stopped coming to the church by about 6%. Now, for a short period of time, like 15 years, that's a pretty high percentage. What's amazing is that women stopped coming to the church during that same time by 17%. And so that they're both about at the same level. And this is an anomaly. This is something that is unusual. This is something that you're thinking, okay, what, what is going on? An unrelated study over that same time period found this. It found that 72% of women, Christian women, feel like they are seriously stressed. They're dealing with a lot of stress in their life. 58% feel tired, exhausted, worn out. 48% uh, feel like they are overcommitted. <laughs> they got soccer, they got church, they got this, they got that. They're just, they're just, they're just like over, overwhelmed. Now, if you, all of those numbers actually even shoot up even higher if you add children <laughs> in, in everything they, they, they have to do with what's going on. So I, this is really interesting. But out of all of that number, 88% of those same women, 88% said if there's one thing they could change, if there's one thing that they could uh, become stronger in is that they would have more faith. They would have more faith, which I believe it's translating because the women are, I, I think, are the heart of the church. <laughs> they, they, they really carry what is going on. And I, and I, I thought about this and, and studied that research, and, and I just think that they're saying we need to trust more because that's what faith is. If you say increase my faith, you say, God, help me to trust you more. And we live in what I call a cultural Christianity. A culture of Christianity is where the Christianity has been watered down and manipulated and rearranged so that it is um, really living without faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But so we have this culture of Christianity that worries about everything, that stresses about this. Instead of living in a, in a, a daily life of God, I'm going to trust you every single day. So we've been talking in our series of steel and stone. Remember, steel represent a courage and strength, and stone represents the precious stones that we're building. We're building in our lives. We're building in our families. We're building in our church. Stones that, that last and will be in, in, in eternity. These are the things that we are made of. And we're focusing on 1 Thessalonians because this was a church. Remember, Paul spent three weeks and then had to leave turned out to be an amazing model. 
an amazing example that we talked about over the last uh, a few weeks. And I want to focus on, on this because it's really interesting in that, in the, as we look at the third chapter, and the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians is really a heartfelt chapter. It's just, it's just Paul pouring out his heart and just so proud of the church. But this is how he begins it in, in verse 5 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. He said, I sent Timothy to find out about your faith. He, was, he actually said he was afraid that their faith had wavered. He was afraid that they had, because there was severe persecution that was going on in the church at that time. And he said, this is what, this is what I need to make sure you're good at. If your faith is good, if your trust level in what you're doing for God, if that's good, then we're good. But this is the most important thing. Where's your faith? Are you trusting God every single day? Are you trusting God for tomorrow, for real things, practical things, for the rent, for the gas, for the car, for the kids, for the sickness, for health? Are you trusting God for your loved one that doesn't know Christ? Are you trusting God? Are you li- or are we living stressed out? <laughs> so this morning I want to talk very simply about trust. God's circle of comfort. God's circle of comfort. And I believe it's something that's going to encourage you and challenge you in a way that maybe you hadn't even thought of before. In chapter 3, the church was going through severe trials. The church at Thessalonica had a lot, a lot of pressure, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And in the midst of all that, they were trying to stand strong. They were trying to be faithful. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 maybe is a common verse that you've heard before and something you've recognized, but it simply says this, cast all your anxiety. Okay, let's bring it, bring it out home. All your stress, all your worries, all your fears, cast all your anxiety on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you. Now, this is a great picture. We've been talking on Wednesday nights about the picture, understanding the picture. So Peter was a fisherman. He grew up as a fisherman. He, he, that's what he did. So when he talks about casting, he, he, he understands what that means, to cast out the net as far as it goes and let it disappear into the sea. And you can almost imagine Peter having this in his mind about casting it out, and about throwing it out and just letting it settle and go away. And that's, and that's what God wants us to understand. That's what he's trying to teach us. Hey, get rid of those fears. Cast those fears away. Do you realize this anxiety means to draw in a different direction? It literally means to distract. That's what anxiety is. That's what anxiety and stress in your life does. It turns your head away from one who cares. The one who is caring and how even he is caring for us. It distracts us away from what he wants us to do. It it causes us to lose God's uh, focus on us. God is still focused, but we don't feel it. We don't know it. It's really interesting. If you look in the Old Testament, in words that mean compassion or something similar, you'll find that 80% of the time in the Old Testament, when compassion is used, is in reference to God, it is used in a picture It's used to describe God as a mother or a father. Now, God is spirit. He is not man. (laughs) But it says God is like the father who has compassion on his children. God is like a mother who holds her infant dearly close to her. This is who God is. This is what God does. God cares for us. 
He cares for who we are and what we're going through. So if you take an infant and, you, uh, and, and, and it's fed <laughs> and it's changed and it's not hungry, okay, give him those three things, that baby will go anywhere with you. As long as you have him, you put him in the car seat, you know, you're carrying him like that, it's just like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It doesn't say, hey, wait, wait, where are we going? When are we going to get there? Are we late? Are we on time? When, 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 come on, come on, I, I need to know some details. No, 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 that infant trust, total trust. Have you seen an infant just comfortable in the arms of the mother or the father? It's just amazing how you see that. And yet, are we not? Do we get stress out and say, God, this and God, this and all, all these type of things, and we worry so, so much, and we're not trusting in what he's doing. Let me take you to Romans 15, verse 13. I love this verse. Let me, let me read it to you. It says, now may the God of hope fill you, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Watch, see how that goes? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is text and it's linear. And sometimes you're going, okay, what did, what did it all say? Let me put it into, give it to you in a picture. And because this is what it means. It means that as we trust, God overflows us with hope. And hope produces joy and peace, which causes us to trust more, which causes us to hope more, which gives us joy and peace. And this is God's circle of comfort for you that we must learn how to live in, that the church in, in Thessalonica understood and began to live in, and this is, I'm going to trust, which gives me hope, which overflows me with hope, which means I'm going to have joy and peace. We want joy, we want peace. We want, we want to have all that. But you got to get the circle. Now, here's our problem. We try to do this circle on our own. <laughs> okay, got to have trust, got to have trust, got to believe, got to believe, and got to have hope. More hope, more hope. Uh, I'm not happy. I got to enjoy peace. And, and we try, and it doesn't work because that's not what the scripture said. That's not what God's word said. What does God's word say? How is this circle powered? Through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit empowers it. You cannot trust enough, you cannot hope enough to get joy and peace to have this circle of comfort, but empowered by God's spirit, all of a sudden you'll, you'll begin to find in the midst of everything that God has, as I trust God, I'm gonna trust you in this difficult situation, in this pain, in this failure, in this sin, in this weakness, in this doubt, in this fear. I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna trust you, God. Oh, I got hope. <laughs> and guess what hope does? It brings joy, real joy, and it brings peace. And we keep, and this is empowered by the Holy Spirit in us, because we can't do it on our own. That's so amazing. You see, if with 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 no joy, and you say, you might say, Greg, how do I get this joy and peace? I want to have joy and peace. Our world searches for joy and peace, do they not? They do yoga and they do this and they do that. They do it relationships. They do all kinds of things. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying you won't find real joy and peace in those. Because that's not where it is. It only comes from hope. And hope only comes from our trust in God, from believing in God. You know, the Bible says that in the first story, the original story of God and Adam and Eve, he created everything. 
he created. And it says that he took Adam and Eve and placed them in a garden. He placed them in a garden. He, he, he placed them in a garden of comfort. His comfort. It was amazing. There was joy. There was peace. There was the Holy Spirit. It was God was there. This was an amazing thing. But he also did something else. In the midst of all this, and this is the, this is the, the key that gets everything started. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you got to trust, and you got to hope, right? You like the picture? I'm going to keep doing the picture. You're going to see the picture. You're going to go home and, see, and be dreaming of, of circles. But I want you to grab hold of this circle of comfort that God has for us. This is how we should live, and we don't. The key behind all that is choice. Because before we get to trust, we have to understand choice. Now, if you read the, the original story, you'll find something interesting. One of the things that I'm going to be working with uh, the, the class on Wednesday night is to look for certain things in Scripture that helps us. For example, one of those things is repetition, words that repeat over and over and over. God's trying to say something. <laughs> so if you can imagine with me in Genesis chapter 1 and, and chapter 2, what does God say over and over and over and over and over and over and over? And he said, this is good. This is good. God declared, this is good or not good. Do you realize the first time God said not good wasn't about sin? It was about loneliness. <laughs> it wasn't good. The man was by himself, okay? So in, in all of that, he declared what's good. And then everything changed. Because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we'll see that there was someone else that defined a good. It says, when the woman and the man, they're both there, saw that the fruit of the tree was good... <laughs> It's the first time that we decided what was good. It's the first time that Adam and Eve said, okay, now that's good. I'm looking at that, and that is some fine fruit, <laughs> whatever it is. They redefined it. And you see, that's what the world does today. Nothing's new. It still does it today. They redefine good as bad and redefine bad as good. They say, this is okay, this is right, this is how you should live, this is how you should act. These are the people that should be together, whatever, on this other. And they redefine it, and that's what the world is constantly trying to do. It's the same thing as Eve did. It's a choice. You're saying, hmm, I have this circle of comfort where I have to trust God. Every day I trust God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in this place where I have to trust God. And then somewhere they said, but I'm going to choose to redefine what is good and what is bad. See, the world circle is made up of self, lust, desire, selfishness, and no room for others. And God's circle of comfort is made up of trust, hope, joy, peace, love, and always room for someone else. Always. And you see, you have to decide which circle of comfort will you live in. The, cir the circle of comfort of self or the circle of comfort of trust. If you're in the circle of comfort of yourself, you've got to power it. Because <clears throat> that's just you. You're on, you're on, you're on your own. You know? It's exciting. Uh, uh, Jared got an electric car. And, and man, that thing is quick. Pew, it just takes off. It just Because it, 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 it's a new power. It's a new way to, to do it. You know? But we should live by a new power that circles, that, that encompasses our circle of comfort, that gets us and teaches us it's not about us, it's about him. Now let me add some addendums to help us understand 
this picture that I'm going to keep painting for us over and over. And here's the first one. God's trust, God's circle of trust. We trust God's circle. There it is. Read the words, Greg. Trust God's circle of comfort by pleasing him first. By pleasing him first. Now you think, oh, that's obvious. Well, is it? Is it really? Jesus went up on the mountain with just a few of his disciples, and the glory of God came out of him. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't come on him. The cloud came down, but it didn't come on him because he was transfigured. This is an incredible moment because I think we forget sometimes the divinity of Christ. We got his humanity. We understand that he's real and he had to die for us. But at the same time, he is God himself. And so the glory came out. And look what it says in Matthew 17, verse 5. It says, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. So God spoke out of a cloud. You see the picture there? God, God did it with Israel, and he's still speaking out of a cloud of his glory, of his presence. He should have been speaking to you during worship. And if you didn't hear him, then maybe we're tuned into the wrong circle, the wrong worries. So God says this. Now, what's, what's interesting about this is that a, uh, an accurate reading would have it a little bit different, but a nuance that's important. He says, this is my son who brings me great pleasure. Who brings me great pleasure. That's what God's doing. That's what Jesus did. And that is the example. And that's why he was transfigured. And that's what it was all about to say, not just his glory, but to teach them, to listen to him, to follow him. You should be bringing God great pleasure. I could do that? Did you not know that? Did you not know that as Jesus brought God great pleasure, we can bring God pleasure in how we live? You see, here's here's the issue, though. In our culture, it's commonly known or accepted that the opposite of pleasure is pain. If I'm in pain, I'm not happy. (laughs) Somebody said amen. Come on, that's your, you can say amen right there. But that's not how the, the uh, Eastern culture saw it. I mean, that's how we do now. But that's not how the first century in Jesus' day saw it either. The opposite of pleasure was not pain. And even now in Eastern cultures, it's not there. The opposite of pleasure is stress. The opposite of pleasure is anxiety, is worry, is fretting. When we fret... <laughs> We are doing the opposite of what Jesus did. When we worry, when we stress, we're doing the opposite of the the very thing that God wants us to do in the circle of his comfort. I'm going to trust. I'm going to hope. I'm going to have joy and peace. What does a joy and peace come from? The fact that we are actually pleasing him and not ourselves. Because it's not a self uh, comfort. It is uh, uh, pleasing who he is. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 says this. Live a life worthy of of the Lord and please him in every way. Did you see how those things come together? How you live, whether you whether you are willing to trust him or whether you're going to be freaked out and stressed out all week long is directly connected to how we're pleasing him. We want to please him, I want to please him, but that means I have to do the opposite of what I'm thinking. 
The opposite, living in stress. See, you have to choose. You have to choose. Are you, what are you going to please? You're standing before the tree. The tree is right there in front of you. And you have to decide, will, will I live what I think is good or will I live what God has declared is good? And we still pick the fruit. <laughs> so often we pick the wrong one. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and decide what fruit are you going to pick. Because this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and they're going to do this, and it's going to be a mess all over the floor, and you're going to stress, anxiety, worry. God, how is this going to happen? with like that. You choose. What are we going to do? Here's a second addendum. Trusting God's circle of comfort by living <laughs> his joy. By living his joy. Now, okay, so what's the comfort? What are we dealing with here? We're dealing with trust. I got to trust. If I trust, I have hope. If I have hope, I get joy and I get peace and I get love and, and, and all of this is in there. But that joy comes from the hope. It's not our joy. It's not the type of joy we understand. 1 Thessalonians 3.8. One of my, it probably if I just pulled out of this chapter, one of my little favorite phrases, it's this one. Because it's just so bizarre. It's just so out of left field. Remember, they're struggling, and they got pain, and they got persecution, and it's not going well. Don't tell me your life isn't going well. Okay. You know what that's called? Life. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we have there. But how do we respond in the midst of all of that pain, in the midst of all of that struggle? That's what we're talking about. This is what Paul said. He said, oh, I see your pain. I see you're struggling. And I see how you responded in faith and trust in God. And this is what he said. For now, we really live. <laughs> I love it. Now we're living. Come on, now we're living. Now we're really trusting God. Now we understand what it means to live in this circle of comfort with God. Now, in great, he has great joy. He has great joy. In the midst of all, in the midst of all the trials, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of everything going on, he says, man, now we're living. Come on. You think, oh, that's hard. You think that's hard? Let's go to Job. Because <laughs> you know Job, right? I mean, the, our, 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 our world knows Job. He suffered a lot of pain, complained a lot. He did because he was really hurting. He lost everything, his family, his home, his health, severe pain. He lost everything. And in the midst of all this, in chapter 6, verse 10, he says this. In, in all of this, I still have this one consolation. I have this one thing, my joy and unrelenting pain. <laughs> he didn't deny the pain, but he said he had joy. Now, what's crazy about that is this is the only time this particular word joy is used in the Bible. This is the only time it's used because it has a very specific meaning. It means to have an extreme leap, to be leaping, <laughs> to be dancing, and it is used of a horse that leaps up and jumps down on the stone pavements and causes sparks to fly out from the hooves, hitting, dancing. The, the horse is dancing and sparking and exciting, and things go out. That's who Joy said. That's, Job said, that's my joy. <laughs> that's what I have. 
Is that the joy we're living? <laughs> Are we doing this dance of saying, God, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of everything, I'm going to jump up and down? Do you realize the friends that came to Job, they said, it says that they saw his extreme, extreme pain to such a degree that they couldn't even say anything. They saw his extreme suffering, and they just sat there for seven days and didn't say a word. Now, later on, they try to make up for it because they're trying to come into this understanding of why you would suffer so much and be righteous. Aren't we dealing with the same thing? Thank God for Job. Thank God for Job. You think he suffered, he suffered so much, but you know what? In all of that, he gives us such hope that in the midst of all of that, we can trust him. Joy does not deny the reality and deny the pain. It defies it. <laughs> it defies it. Are you willing to live a joy? Okay, I don't have that joy. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> Trust, hope, joy, peace, <laughs> more trust, more hope, joy, peace, powered by the Holy Spirit that is able to do things. You see, it doesn't defy, it, it defies the pain. It's, it's, a, it's a dance of, on disappointment. <laughs> this joy dances on disappointment. Are you willing to dance, to leap, to trust, to believe? I, I, I love The Chosen. I can't get enough of it. I watch that show over and over and over and over and over. The family knows that. I just sit there and just watch it. And they're going, Dad, is there anything else on? No, there's not. This is what I'm watching. I just, I just, I just love it because I love the picture. I love the story. I love everything that, that I believe in. So I'm watching it. And I love the way that when Jesus heals someone, they jump up and they're hugging and they're laughing and going, yes, that's what it's about. You know, always before, it's like movies goes, be healed. Be healed. No, these people are excited. I got healed. Are you excited? God's healed your heart. He's healed your soul. Are you excited for all that he's doing? They jump up and down. I want a t-shirt. I want to make a t-shirt. Someone make me a t-shirt that says, now we're living. <laughs> Come on, now we're living. <laughs> now we're living. And the world goes, oh, you know, they think that's, you know, getting drunk or running around or carousing and all that. And that's, no, no, no. Now we're living because I'm trusting God. <laughs> I'm believing in him. I know that he is my redeemer. He is the one that lifts me up. He gives me the joy, the peace. I can trust him. I can trust him. Here's my third addendum. To understanding the circle, trusting God's circle of comfort by increasing his comfort. By increasing his comfort. How do I do that? What is that really all about? Do you realize at the end of all this, in the end of the chapter, he gets, goes into a blessing. But right before that, Paul, when he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says, okay, you guys have been great. You guys have been amazing. Amazing, but I'm, I'm, I'm not quite satisfied. I'm thinking, okay, man, they're like, you know, like the church set on a hill. They're, they're it. <laughs> they're an example for everything. What do you mean you're not satisfied? This is, and this is what he says, because I want to supply, I am coming to supply what is lacking in your faith. What? <laughs> Come on, Paul, you're a little harsh. Isn't that a little hard? But you see, Paul knew something, and if you get this, it'll change your life. You'll never live the same again. Your faith is to increase. Your faith is to become large. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And let, me, let me read these two 
verses, verses 3 and 4. It says, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, okay, for, you know, our hermeneutics class, I detect repetition. (laughs) How about you? What is God trying to say? If God repeats something in God's word, he, he, he wants to get your attention. If he does it more than two or three times, he's, trying to, he's slapping us in the face saying, Hello! Comfort, 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 comfort. God has something for us to understand. See, what he wanted to add is a larger circle. What he wants to understand, he says, you guys are doing great. You guys are amazing. You guys are standing and you're trusting and you're having more hope and you're having joy and you're having peace, which gives you more trust and hope. But now this circle, as great as it is, it needs to be bigger. It needs to be larger because your comfort that you've been comforted with, as we just read, is to comfort somebody else, to help somebody else see the comfort of God, to help somebody else. Make your circle larger. The Bible talked about that over and over and over. Jabez's prayer says, Lord, enlarge my tent. What is he saying? Make my comfort larger because somebody needs to hear. Somebody needs to know that you're there. You can change the world. See, our circle cannot be static. Can't be just us. God, if you just take care of me, he will. He does. But as he does, he makes our comfort larger. So somebody else has room to step in. And you see, you know what that's called? The body of Christ. (laughs) So you have your comfort. And you have your circle of comfort and you're trusting God and you're trusting God and you're trusting God. And then we all come together and we trust God and create a room by which that we can change the world. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says this, May the Lord make your love increase. Make your comfort larger and overflow for each each other and for everyone else. He says it right there. If we could just understand how we can change the world around us by allowing God to increase this, The age-old question, could Jack have climbed up on that raft and been saved with Rose and the Titanic? That's what everyone wants to know. They've done whole shows and research, and yes, no, yes, no, yes, whatever, whatever. What struck me is you, you read that and you find that that what he was floating on wasn't a door, it was the frame of the door. And I reflected back to the frame of the door that the Israel put the blood on. And the death angel passed over because the blood covered them at Passover. And that same frame, that same cross, is able to carry us, not just us, but there's room for somebody else. There's room for somebody else. If we're willing to come on, you can get on this with me. Come on, you're not hopeless. I know it hurts, and I know it's difficult, and I know to find the most desperate person, find the most people that their life is the biggest mess, and say, you know what? I got an answer for you. God has a, a, a circle of comfort for you, and it's big enough for you. 
that's big enough for what God can do in your life. Because your trust, your simple trust, your distrust of saying, saying, God, I trust you for that, will make, turn into such hope, a living hope that'll change the world, that will produce joy and peace in your life that will turn everything upside down. That's how God wants us to live. Come on, let's trust. Let's trust God. I trust you. God, I'm believing for everyone in this room, for everyone watching online, you teach us what it means to live by faith, to trust you in all things, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even in the water, even in the fire. God, I want to trust you. I'm going to believe in all that you're doing in my life, God. And that trust will turn to hope and the hope will live and be manifested by the power of the Holy Spirit and such joy and such peace, not only in my life, but for my family and for my friends and for my neighbors and for my world. With God, there's room. There's room at the cross that f- keeps us afloat. In the midst of storms, when everything else is sinking around us, you are there. And God, I pray for every single person here. If there's a single person that has not crawled up on that, that cross, has not pulled out of the water, and they feel like they're drowning with the sin and the self and everything around them, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would touch their hearts and you would make it, make it pliable and soft to say, I want God, God, I pray right now that not a single person that ever hears these words, God, would turn away from the salvation and the hope that you have if they just trust you, if they just trust that cross. Lord, I pray for that. In the name of Jesus, amen.